Hey guys, Hide and Seek is now on Patreon. If you'd like to learn how to support the work we do, please visit www.patreon.com backslash Hide and Seek Podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive rewards. Rewards include live events, early access to video trailers, ad-free episodes, never-before-seen videos, behind-the-scenes video and photo content, along with extended and never-before-heard interviews. My team and I would be honored to have you. Again, visit patreon.com backslash hide-and-seek-podcast. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed by guests on the Hide and Seek podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or positions of the host or contributors. Hey everyone, this is Sarah. Would you like to take a more active role in the Hide and Seek community? Would you like to share your thoughts with other listeners? Join us in the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can find us by searching Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Material heard on the Hide and Seek Podcast is intended for adult listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet dreams are made of this. 24-Hour News Aid's Brady Gillum went to Sturgis tonight to speak with the missing woman's mother about what may have happened to her daughter. I can tell you where she most likely is. I hadn't seen anybody that I felt comfortable saying anything to until today. The stories they tell are pretty fucked. They're pretty freaking gruesome. I kept... All the text messages, Facebook messages, the messages between me and Brittany, I have all of them. I have everything. I told myself I'd kill all them motherfuckers, and I was going to have my people fucking take care of it. I'll just say Brittany's name out of nowhere just to see what somebody says. Because this little town around here would be hard to hide something like that. Because eventually everything comes out. Some days I don't believe anything happened to her. I think she's in slow. This is Hide and Seek, Season 3, Part 3, The Final Chapter. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys, in our last episode, we welcome everyone back to the bonfire. There was a lot of information there to digest. As a listener, we know some of it was hard to hear. For Brittany's family, most of us can't even imagine how devastatingly impactful those words were to hear. Let's recap before we move into today's episode. We went over the suspect board and everyone we were able to remove from it. We also addressed a few people we didn't feel confident in removing yet. We heard from a witness we referred to as Skylar. Skylar says that after Brittany left Sheldon's car and made her way to the two homes she went to, that another person, we'll call them person B, was called to pick her up. 
We felt we can reasonably assume that Brittany wasn't the one who called Person B for a ride. Skylar said that Person B had knowledge of a debt Brittany owed to a mutual friend. Skylar told me that Person B brought Brittany back to the home of a third person. I'll call that person Person C. C and B carried Brittany inside the home of C. Skylar says there's a fourth person. I'll refer to that person as person D. B and D maintain control of a barely conscious Brittany for a number of days, shuffling her between the homes of C and D. Eventually, after being held in a dog crate, he tells Jessica, Brittany's mother, that Brittany was overcome with starvation and dehydration. Skylar reports being held at gunpoint by person C and D as a way to hammer home the message to stay quiet about what was seen. I was able to get in contact with the girlfriend of person C while person C was incarcerated. At my request, person C refused to speak. But you guys know me by now. I don't walk away that easily. So I'll put a pin in that and we'll return to it. Bet. The conversation left us with more questions than answers. If everything Skylar reported was factual, then the man who accompanied Brittany that evening was in on a plan with others. What kind of plan? We still don't know. Could it have been to scare her? And something went terribly wrong? Sure. Could the plan have been to harm her? Absolutely. But we need more information before we can proceed. If Brittany owed money to someone, who was it? And what was it for? Getting answers to these questions would create more questions. What's that quote? The more you learn, the less you know? Yeah, that seems accurate. For now, we'll put Skylar on pause and add B, C, and D to our suspect board. In March, Sarah and I agreed that more investigation into Brittany's case was warranted. It just wasn't time to walk away, and I think we both knew it. So, we put production of the podcast on hold and concentrated on investigating, following up, and tracking people down. There were a few things we were hoping would come to fruition while we were away. We hoped to see a photo of Brittany and Ashley together. I know you guys may be shocked to hear this, but no such luck in the picture arena. But hey, the original offer still stands. I'd even settle for the picture Ashley claims she took of Brittany holding her phone to prove to Cage that they didn't have beef. And trust me, I hate to beat a dead horse, but we find this story interesting since Ashley said Cage didn't know they made up, so it was safe for Brittany to move in. But I digress. I asked Ashley to see the full conversation between her and Eric. Again, I hate to revisit things we've talked about on many occasions, but sometimes you just have to. If you recall, during my first in-person interview with Ashley, she scrolled through her Facebook messages with Eric, and while I stood over her shoulder, she scrolled for a very long time. Any of your communication devices my messages with him because if he's not at my house I'm messaging him 
you ever looked? No. Does your Facebook link back to the same one that you used back then? Yeah, so it's the same one. Yeah, and I, I have every message still. Sliding her finger up the screen so many times, I started to wonder what all that talk was about between the two. It's gonna take forever. Mind if I jump on there with you? Mm-hmm. What date are you on? November 13th, 2019. November 2nd, 2019. <laughs> there should be a huge gap coming up here. Someone in jail or something? No, when I got evicted, obviously he lost his place to stay too. We just kind of lost touch for a while when I was with Weekly. I mean... 2019 still? Yeah. You guys talk a lot. Yeah, because I've never stopped looking for Brit, and it's her husband, so I kept him, and he was the only person that ever fucked me over. I started to wonder what all that talk was about between the two. But then, the messages come to a screeching halt. Huh. Don't have it. Oh, I have it. I told you, I have backups and backups and backups. Well, why is it unknown? I don't know. What date does that go to? May 20th, 2019. But I have my takeouts, or my Facebook. You had that right. Information files downloaded. What would be the reason why it wouldn't be on there? I don't know. Again, you'll be shocked. Those messages never surfaced. Lastly, we were optimistic that Ashley and Brittany's full conversations would finally come to light. We were patient. Man, we were patient. And our patience paid off. We have those conversations, or at least a version of those conversations. I'll leave it up to you, Ashley, to share them. I'll tell you one thing though, Ashley. Betrayal is kind of like a game of poker. You never really know who'll turn out to be your opponent. You might want to take an inventory of everyone sitting at your card table before it collapses. Oh, and if you think I'm bluffing about having those conversations, name a timestamp and I'll tell you what was said. If you're someone who cares about Brittany, her family, or about justice, then you have to be wondering the same thing we are. Why haven't these conversations been made public like loads of other information? Lots of which mean absolutely nothing. It's Sarah. Hey, I got something for you. Pretty sure you're going to want to see this. I love getting messages like this. Hey, so I just got your message is... So that's his, that's Eric's Google location history? So supposedly this is his Google location on November 30th. I think it actually goes over to November, uh, December 1st. But um, somebody sent it to me and it was posted in another community. Mm-hmm. And somebody in that community sent it to me. And so I sent it to you. I, I think this is the first we're seeing of this. As far as I understood, and what Ashley told me was this was never information that was available because he always had his Google location history off, meaning she went and tried to look for it. If she went to try to look for it before, when did this information become available? I think that she's saying it became available recently to her, um, but... At the same time, we also know that the phone he was using at that time, 
um, was was her phone. Ashley, when I say she, I mean Ashley, she had access to. So I'm confused how she would just have gotten access to this. This is a Google snapshot or a screenshot of his timeline showing his whereabouts Friday, November 30th, 2018. Again, Ashley's made it very clear. Eric's Google location was off, has always been off. Yeah. Meaning you went and checked. This just became available to us when? March, March 1st. Okay. 2023. Let's talk about the details of his whereabouts. So it shows the date, Friday, November 30th. And it shows a location which is labeled here as home. I won't give out the location, but it shows his location as home and it shows him leaving home at 8.34 p.m. To clarify, home does have an address provided and we have looked this up and it is Eric's parents' location. Correct. Which is just down the road from where Ashley lives and then not too far from where Sheldon also lives. So it shows him though leaving home at 8.34 p.m. Correct. So it shows him walking for about five minutes 8.34 p.m. to 8.39 p.m. And he walks to Ashley's. And we we know this is, you know, her previous address when Brittany went missing. And it shows him at that address from 8.39 p.m. So that's a five-minute walk. And how long is he there, though, at Ashley's? So it shows him being at Ashley's from 8.39 p.m., to one oh eight a.m. on December 1st. Let's, I'm going to time that out. Give me one sec. All right, so I just mapped it out. MapQuest shows it being a distance of nine minutes to walk from his house to Ashley's. It's a straight shot. That's a nine-minute walk, and this has him five minutes. But my other question is, I thought he was at the house all day. That night around, what time did Sheldon contact you? Around 10, 10 p.m. And you're still where? Home. And who comes by your house? Eric's there. Because when Pocket went to jail, people started fucking with me. What time did Eric come over? I want to say he was there pretty much all day because he was there when Pocket called me. He said, Ashley says he was at the house the whole day and she mentions Pocket needing to call at six because he was calling like a schoolgirl. Again, Eric was supposed to be there because people were fucking with her apparently. And she wanted Eric to move in. Yes. And we don't, but, but we don't see any other history prior to this, the time. It's only starting at 8.34 p.m. Yeah, it starts at 8.34 p.m. and there's nothing. It doesn't show these screenshots. What was posted doesn't show anything prior. 
And shortly you'll see that it, it doesn't show anything after this period either. How convenient, right? Out of all the yeah. days we're going to have November yeah. 30th at this time frame, but we don't have any time before this. We don't know when he arrives to his parents' house or no. anything prior to 8.34 p.m. Right. So he's there from 8.39 p.m. at Ashley's to 1.08 a.m. on December 1st. Then we see he moves a distance of 3.3 miles driving from 1.08 a.m. to 1.29 a.m., which is 21 minutes. To me, 21 minutes is a really long time to go 3.3 miles. I guess I guess if you're sitting in New York City traffic or whatever, I, I would get that. But we're talking about Sturgis in the middle of the night. That seems odd to me. Right. At 1.08 a.m. when he leaves and he's driving and he goes a total distance mm-hmm. of 3.3 miles, he's gone for mm-hmm. 21 minutes. Yes. What's the explanation? The explanation is that he is leaving Ashley's, taking her vehicle and going to put air in her tire. So just to recap, he has left his house, walked to her house, and then at 1.08 a.m. decides that her tire on her vehicle needs air. So at 1.08 a.m., he departs to go get air. He goes to Boland Tire to put air in Ashley's tire at 1 o'clock in the morning. Let me just map that out real quick. Okay, so from Ashley's apartment, based on Google Earth, it's about 1.6 miles from Ashley's apartment, leaving to Bowling Tire. Multiply that by two, it's roughly 3.2 miles. Just perfect distance to go there and back. So let's say it's a few minutes to get there, gets out, Mm -hmm. puts air in, a few minutes to get back. I'd like to note that Mm -hmm. We've talked about Eric and possibly fires, and we've had Mm -hmm. an interview with certain individuals who have also made the comments about how Eric talks about how many tires you need in order to burn a body. And Boland Tires has a lot of, I think they're bad tires Tires. that that are sitting around. I wonder if they had footage. I mean, it would be gone by this time. He goes from Boland Tire back to Ashley's. He goes from tire location back to Ashley's. So from 1.29 a.m. to 2.06 a.m., he is at Ashley's. So about 37 minutes. And then he leaves Ashley's on foot. He walks 0.3 miles, four minutes from 2.06 a.m. to 2.09 a.m., and at 2.09 a.m., he arrives home back to his parents. So now you've already said that it's a nine-minute walk. Is that what you said? Yes. So even cutting him some slack, we were cutting him some slack and giving him the five minutes. He's shaved a minute off his time now, and he's done it in four minutes. I guess he's in push pace. He doesn't seem like a runner to me. I'm sorry. I guess to me, it just seems odd that the time is decreasing with 
conditions, it's cold. But but back up for a second. Why don't we see a timestamp of him being at Bolin on here? Correct. I was just wondering the same thing. If you're traveling 1.6 miles and you mm-hmm. get there, and let's say the additional time difference that we're, we're talking about here is at Bolin Tire. And let's say you're there for three to five minutes. You're at a specific location. It's a commercial yes. location that you would also, it would at least show on the map or on the timeline here, right? You would think we're seeing other locations. I'm right. sure that they're residential and, and they're not businesses, but they're still locations and we're still seeing them. We also, we don't see it go from driving to walking. You know, we can assume he's outside the vehicle putting tire or air in the tire. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't see any change there. So then he gets back to his mom's house or his dad's house at 2.09 a.m. That's all yeah. the screenshot shows? That's all it shows. It shows him leaving Ashley's four-minute walk. He's back home. At 2.09 a.m., he arrives back at his parents. Let's back up to Ashley's original testimony. She said Eric's Google location has never been on. You wouldn't say that unless you wouldn't try to look for it. If this is being made public now, in 2023, you said in 21 that you don't know if he was with you or not because he's been using you as his alibi. When did Eric leave? I try to think if he did or not, because this is this is probably the most important fucking thing that I can need to remember. Because I just went with it for so long. Eric's, yeah, is that her house? Yep, he was at my house. And you were telling me this back then, that back then, that his Google location wasn't available. Why all of a sudden is it available? And it's only available on the 30th, between 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. That's screaming red flags and that's screaming you're trying to prove your alibi. Why wasn't this made available before? We know from conversations with Rockford that she has access to Eric's Google account in July of 2019. She starts speaking to Rockford from Eric's account. Mm-hmm. She says that she was acting as Eric right. speaking to Rockford in December of 2018. That's when Rockford's like, yeah, they were telling me they wanted to meet up in the middle of the night somewhere. Like, yes. Why the hell are you doing that in the first place with the PI who's trying to help? Aren't you supposed to be supporting someone who's trying to find your best friend? Aren't you supposed to be saying, hey, let's let's meet and let's actually put mm-hmm. everything together and try to put this all out there. But you, this is, again, proof mm-hmm. that she had access to this info. So let's say go go back to uh, the night that she calls law enforcement over because she finds these pictures. Mm-hmm. Yes. You had access to his account. Why didn't yes. you look at his, his history if you were so concerned about it? Investigate. And and. She had access to more than one of his accounts. You know, she names a couple of them, you know, 10-inch shank or 8-inch shank or whatever it is. So in July, when she's talking to Rockford, we know that she has access to Google accounts that are his. So even giving her the benefit of the the doubt, July... July 2019 is long before she ever has any conversation with you. So one would think if she had access to that, she'd have the Google location at that time in 2019. I mean, we see the we see his location while he's at Ashley's. 
you know, we see him walking, we see his location at Ashley's, we see him spending time in Ashley's, and we see him departing Ashley's. So it's strange to me that while he's at Bowl Entire, there's no change in his activity. It appears like he pulls it and sits there. If you time this out, the time it takes for yeah. him to travel from Ashley's to Bolin, I mean, it's it's not that long. If he's there within three minutes, three minutes there, three minutes back, he's got 16 minutes to spare, 16 to 15 minutes of sitting there while you're getting air. I would think it's going to yeah. populate a, a mark on the map yeah. of your timeline history. Yeah. Another interesting point in here is that in that screenshot, there's another screenshot that's sent that isn't right. just Eric's location. It's Ashley's. So there's a second screenshot here. And the second screenshot shows Ashley's location at her apartment. But instead of a time, it just says all day. There's no, you know, actual time here. And, and that's the verbiage used here all day. And we still don't know how she came about this info. Like, there's no clear explanation. No. It's, it's provided by someone no. else. Correct. So you sent this to someone else for them to post it on your behalf. That's what I surmise. That's how it appears. I don't, I don't know how else it would have transpired. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess there's other ways, but that's, that's what it appears to us. Okay. Yeah. Here's an interesting question that I would feel like I would love to hear an answer to this is who activated his location at 8.34 p.m.? Who turned that on? And why did they turn that on? And when did it turn off? Because all we see is November 30th and it, and it continues yeah. to December 1st at 2.09 a.m. Then it's off again. Like who who turned it on? Ashley or Eric? Yeah. Why'd you turn it on on November 30th? And there's no other history. And this happens to be the night that your separated wife goes missing. There's no other history of his location except for November 30th that Ashley's choosing to provide and put sending somebody else to provide this information. She says, Eric Shank in red writing on this and circles November 30th, yes. 2018. But then on her, she puts mine. That would only mean her. Yes. I guess the only argument that we could pose against this is that he had it on at other times and she chose not to provide that. But if what she's doing is is trying to bolster confidence in his innocence, then, you know, what she would do is show, you know, a history of his location. You know, uh, November 29th, he was here. November 28th, it was here. November, you know, whatever, December 1st, 2nd, 3rd, whatever it is. But instead, what she does is just show this short piece. And that's that's concerning. I mean, I guess if I were Eric... I would be very concerned that what is being shown here does not help me. It actually works against me. If I'm Eric, I would, you know, if you're putting my information out there, mm -hmm. 
Okay, fine. But don't just put this tiny bit of information out there. Put it all out there so that people get a full picture. Mm -hmm. Because right now, what you're painting is not a full picture. Right now, what you're painting is, I had my Google location on for this short amount of time, because why? Eric, this doesn't make you look good. By putting this out and acting like this is my... It makes... It shows her location all day. Yes. But not yours. Yes. During the hours that Brittany goes missing. When are you going to wake up? This is somebody you call a friend. I may rethink that title. We have his Google location history here uh, of this time frame and hers of this day. How about you show yours, Ashley? You never said your Google location was always off. How about we see your full time on the 29th, the 28th, the 27th? Let's go back to the 23rd, actually. The 1st, December 1st. Like Remember when you met her at Walmart? Let's look at that timeline history. Let's look at, mm-hmm. again, if you want to show me and you want to show us and show us your history, that helps. But when you're choosing to only show this period of this day and you're trying to prove your alibi, again, only this makes you look bad, Eric, but she's trying to prove it first. Show us all the times that we're talking about so that we can either move forward and then get you out of the way if you're not involved. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess this is... I'm looking at this as if they're, you know, still friends. If you are trying to create doubt for somebody or in the validity of somebody's story or, you know, alibi or whatever, this is is great. So maybe I shouldn't be looking at it from the lens of they are, you know, oh, this is these are friends. Because if you if you did this to me, (laughs) what the fuck, dog? We're not friends anymore. (laughs) This is on November 30th, 2018. Again, it's Mm -hmm. only Eric's location between 8.30 p.m., 8.34 to be exact, and 2.09 a.m. on December 1st. Nothing after, nothing before. It's only this. And if I'm understanding this correctly, with Eric's screenshot at the very top of the timeline, it shows a vehicle distance that he went and it shows his walking and then it shows a pinpoint of number of locations he visited first mm-hmm. one starts off at home second one to ashley's and then there's a drive for 21 minutes and then back to ashley's for the third and then back home on the fourth if this shows november 30th 2018 there's a total of four visits that's telling me that he didn't leave the house all day until 8 34 p.m I thought he was at your house. So it shows four visits. Which if you stopped at Bowling, you would think there'd be be five. Yeah, the first visit at 834 is one. Second visit, Ashley's at 839 p.m. Drives, he leaves Village Manor back to her apartment again. That's the third. And then he walks home. That's the fourth. He didn't go to Ashley's until 839 p.m.? Your words, not mine. He was basically there all day. I want to say he was there pretty much all day because he was there when Pocket called me. Let's say Google location can be altered. Is that possible? We'll figure that out. I don't know. But that's what I've heard is that you can. Now, I know that there's some, there's also a couple articles out there. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. Can it be manipulated? 
Is that possible? Yeah. I believe so. According to the techno turd. Oh, it's possible. I will be the first one to tell you. You can fuck with Google Maps. You can put yourself anywhere. So that doesn't mean shit. Because when she first went missing, it all just came out suggesting Cage. I told Larry, I said, you need to find out where he is now. He messaged him and Daniel says, oh, you know, Florida life. It sends him a live location. I think, well, Dan, that's weird. Why did he send a live location? Florida life. Like, are you trying to out by yourself or what? I want to point out that what we have here are screenshots and screenshots can always be manipulated. Right. right. What if we didn't have to go off of just your guys' Google timeline history? What if she had a tracking device in the car? See, when I talked to JJ, I thought this guy was just out there. Yeah, with some of the stuff he was saying, like, she had a tracking device. He ripped the shit out of that car to try to find it. I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. But what if I told you it was true? March 18th, 2020, 8.34 a.m. Ashley writes to Val. Back in the very beginning, December 2018, JJ and Eric took my car one night. This is when I still had my spark tracker in it. It was late as fuck, and I hadn't heard from them. So I tracked my car. They were out at Haybridge. If you recall my interview with JJ, he talks about this. I believe she knew something about it all. There's there's so many fucking stories of he said, she said bullshit, man. And it tore me the fuck. It drove me insane a little bit trying to figure out the puzzle. I rode around with Ashley or she gave me the keys to her car and let me go out and do my own thing to figure out shit. But the whole time she had a GPS tracker on her damn car. How do you know that? Because she showed me it. Like, if I if I didn't close the gas cap on her car, I would get a phone call. Hey, close the gas cap on your car. Are you fucking serious right now? She had everything monitored on that fucking Ford Explorer that she had. This is crazy. I hate to talk about a woman like that, but that bitch is crazy. And then there was Dale Guffey. Or whatever, because the truck was tore up. The truck was fucking stripped. You know what I mean? Not, not like the outside of it. He tore up wires out of it. He tore fucking. He's trying to find the goddamn GPS and whatever in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doing some twack shit to the fucking car. Very recently, I spoke to an agent with a company called Brickhouse Security. 
Brickhouse is a provider of security and surveillance solutions. They've been around since 2005, so definitely not newbies to the security game. Brickhouse is the mother company to Spark GPS units. Spark GPS units are small tracking devices made with the intention of tracking vehicles. Most of their units are magnetic, waterproof, and require a monthly subscription. Once you have a monthly subscription though, you're able to track a vehicle, or whatever you choose to attach the unit to, all over the US through an app on your phone or web browser. In July of 2023, I spoke to an agent who was able to clarify several pieces of information for us. While Spark only allows you to access your current or past information with a subscription, they do allow you to download it so you can keep it for your records. I was interested to know if Spark ever deletes customer records. The agent explained to me, they do not delete records. As long as you had an account with them at one point, your records will still be stored with them. I clarified with the agent and asked, hypothetically, if my account was four plus years old and I did not have a current subscription, if they could access my prior account information, the agent confirmed, yes, they could indeed do so. So what do they need? Basic information would be required, like name, email address, and phone number. Seems fairly simple, right? I wrapped up my conversation with a few questions pertaining to steps law enforcement would need to take to submit a subpoena. But we can make it easy. Ashley, I'm sure you can figure out how to contact Brickhouse. Activate your subscription and obtain the tracking records of your SUV on November 1st through the end of December. Here. I'll make it easy for you. It's 1-800-654-7966. Hell, I'll even pay for it. Once you have the GPS history, turn it over to Detective Otten. This simple task could go a long way in starting to clear things up. Speaking of clearing things up, one piece of the puzzle I believe could really benefit from getting the GPS history is the receipt. Since Ashley says, in various forms, that the gas receipt ultimately came from the bags JJ filled with trash when he stole her vehicle. Having the GPS history from the vehicle seems like it would be the easiest and most direct way to find out where JJ went with her vehicle, which would lead to the location of the receipt. If it wasn't in her vehicle all along, then finding out where JJ went would be important in the explanation of the receipt. Don't you think, Ashley? Ignoring the ability to track down the origination of the receipt's location with the GPS history seems like an amateur move for someone who's really honed in their investigation skills over the past four and a half years while looking for their best friend. Ricky's season is over. Your season now. Step up to the plate. If JJ had the receipt, why aren't you pressing him for answers? What date did you take the picture of the receipt? You should have digital footprints indicating when that picture was taken. Right? You're no longer green at this.
Recently, I obtained an exclusive conversation between Ashley and an individual we shall keep anonymous for confidentiality reasons. The dialogue we're about to present to you may shed new light on the already intricate web surrounding Eric's alleged activities. Sarah and I will be reenacting the conversation. Before we delve into that, let's refresh our memories. Based on a Google Timeline screenshot taken by Ashley, Eric S. was supposed to be at Ashley's apartment the entire evening. Ashley even confirmed with me in our interview that Eric arrived while it was still daylight. Honestly, he was there pretty much all day because he was there when Pocket called me and I kept money on the account, so he was talking to me like a schoolgirl. He was always on the phone. I know it was daytime. It was still sunlight when he was over. When did Eric leave? I'm trying to think if he did or not, because this is this is probably the most important fucking thing that I can need to remember, because I just went with it for so long. Eric's, yeah, is that her house? Yep, he was at my house. Now, the weather report from that day indicates darkness settles around 6 p.m. This detail raises crucial questions about the timeline and may well contradict Ash's initial claim in the screenshot. Let's move on to the conversation reenactment. Anonymous person writes, Let's go back to Eric's story. Ashley. Okay. It seems like Eric is talking about the same person, Justin Do you know how Eric knows him? Yeah, Jade. Okay, Jade is a piece of the puzzle here. You read the shit the same way I did. He walked back from Justin's that day. He went to go see Jade that day, though. I haven't heard anything about a Justin character. That day meaning November 30th? No, the day he walked back from Burr Oak. Jason told me that it's been said somewhere that she got a new phone on the 29th. Are you sure he didn't just leave his phone at your place after walking over and borrowed your car to fuck with Britt, brought it back, went to his parents to clean up, and then walked back to your house? If this is the case, then that very well may have been the phone he had put up. The 30th, yes? He left one phone. He didn't have my phone at that point, not when she went missing. No, when he left the phone, that was in January. I'm talking the night she went missing. Did he borrow your car earlier? He took my car that evening. I know, just not until like 1.30 a.m. No, no, no. Jason posted this shit, my location and Eric's. He claims it clears Eric. I say it doesn't. Oh, okay. Why does Jason have this? I sent it to him. (laughs) I thought you meant Gayheart. Jason equals Gayheart. Look, for normal people, it's weird to never have your location turned on. I am normal, and I never have it on. Justin Gayheart, by the way. Justin Gayheart is Jason Spade too, though. Ah, fuck. Okay, that's where my mind was, because... Eric calls Justin, Jason, in his messages. So anyway, we normal folk leave our location on. 
Those weird methy folk never have their location on. Ever. I see. And think you're a cop or some stupid shit if you do. I don't care. My location never gets shut off. Following? So, the fact that his location is turned on right around the time she went missing to show him walking to my house and getting my car... But did he take it right away? To me, that feels intentional as fuck. And yeah. To alibi himself. That's what I'm saying. He only went for a 20-minute drive, though, and came back. Yeah, at 1.30 a.m. No, like 8.30 p.m.-ish. He went to Boland Tire, right at the time she's disappearing. Now this is where Tuttle comes in. He went to the tire place? Tuttle's tails, anyway. Tuttle claims Britton made it back to town. I think he's right. He also said she was hit out there by Kiesling. Was she at the rape house the night she went missing? Ashley sends five images. And which house is this? Jefferson Street? Mechanic Street? Kiesling doesn't drive. Anyhow, I still think Eric could have been Mystery Man. We're on 30th, right? Sheldon finds out she's got Eric with her. She's with a mystery man. Is threatening to come out there or some shit. It was around 10, I think, p.m. He calls me on Facebook. I open up my notifications and I see it. Why the fuck is he calling me? This would explain the rush. Sheldon finds out she's got Eric with her. Is threatening to come out there or some shit. This would explain the rush. Hmm. So your theory is that Sheldon possibly discovers that Eric is with Brittany at Grandma's house. How the fuck is that possible? Eric's supposed to be next to you. I just realized Eric, I, I am Eric's alibi. He was with me the night she disappeared. Explain that. God save the queen and everyone in between when you can't make them see the light, make them feel the heat. Besides, whatever you want, I feel is up to our leaders. And the houses of the holy, they're physical graffiti. I don't Would you like to show your support for the Hide and Seek podcast? Find our Instagram and Facebook page by searching Hide and Seek Podcast. Like and follow to hear updates on past seasons as they become available and stay up to date on season three. Find our discussion group by searching Hide and Seek Discussion Group on Facebook. The Hide and Seek Podcast is hosted, directed, edited, and produced by James Basinger. Written, edited, and produced by Sarah Joe. Engineered, mixed, and mastered by Nudon's Audio Engineering. Director of Photography is Ethan Schatz. Our graphic design is created by Jordan Robinson. 
A special thanks to all those involved in our ground team and to our Patreon supporters. Thank you for helping make our investigations possible.